I was thinking, Lord, what do I say about a day like today? What do I do? I, I was, I just, sometimes I get a lot of phone calls. I have so many people call. What do I say? What do I do? How do we handle this sort of thing? I want to just tell you this. I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of restraining myself to be totally honest with you because I, I'm excited. I, I, not that there is a coronavirus. I'm not excited that people are suffering. I'm not excited, of course, that there's a plague, if you will, across this world. And I'm certainly not excited about the world's economies and things of that nature. But my calling is of the Lord. And I'm excited because I've been following the Lord for a long time. And I can tell you that nothing takes God by surprise. And our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm, I know when I've been following God long enough to be able to tell you that God has something in mind, and I'm excited to see what He does. Here in our church, with our singers, musicians, and our congregation, we know that God never, never does something without purpose. And I thank God that I'm beginning to see that purpose. I think our world needs a revival before the Son, the Son of God returns for the church. And if it be so through this, then let it be. But let's draw closer to the Lord. That's, that's the reason we're here for the gospel anyway. I, I was thinking about um, this particular situation. And I had a young man in the scripture come to my mind. His name is Gideon. He, he was in similar fashion like we are. Um, he, he had a time where there was great stress. It was a chapter of uncertainty in Israel's uh, day. And when, when suddenly things change, especially in our normal way of doing things, and there's some, some fear about what's happening, um, I will just tell you, questions come by the numbers. Um, I think we keep asking, and I know, I've had some people say, do you think this is the end of the world? I want to tell you something, it's not the end of the world. If I were to get specific with you, there is going to be no genuine end of the world. According to the scripture, there's going to be an end of this age, and it will come to an end, but not an end to the world. If you want to read prophecy, you can read where the next order of business after um, the catching of the church and the the tribulation period, then the millennial, the world will be renovated by fire. God's going to make it beautiful again like he had it for Adam and Eve. And we're going to go on. God's not about to let Satan uh, destroy his plan for a human being that is made in the image of God. And I thank God for writing us a future. And it's, it's a pleasure to know what God's going to do. But I think we say, is the world going to end? I think we're wondering what will happen. When something happens on a small area, it's not so bad, but when you get a global situation, the perspective of security seems threatened. Nothing speaks like the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, we are given what we, most people that know anything about Scripture, call the love chapter. In the last verse of it, it talks about love. The last verse of it says, and now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I, I want to talk to you about those several those things over the several weeks to come. I want to talk about faith today, next week hope, and then love. And then if we get to be in service on Easter, or if not, I'm going to speak on life. So we're going to talk about faith and hope and love and life. 
And I can tell you, I'm glad there is life in the Christ, our Lord. So uh, I want to follow that and rest assured, God's love and care for us is not in question today. You can't, as a matter of fact, the word declares that nothing can separate us from the love of God, nor famine, nor disease, nothing of the sort. Ladies and gentlemen, to be in the love of God um, is something that we don't have to question. But I want to look at Gideon. He had similar circumstances. If you would like to turn, we're going to the Old Testament of, of uh, book of Jude, I'm sorry, Judges. Gideon uh, was a young man. He was living in time of trouble, similar like maybe some of our younger men. It was a time where food was very scarce. They did not know what their future was going to be. There was a lot of fear abounding. The large Midianite army had come against Israel. And here's a young man. We find him when we read the scripture. He is actually up in the mountains where the wind would blow. He is hiding. He has a little bit of wheat left. That's all the family has left to eat. He has this little bit of wheat. He hides up in the mountain, spreads his blanket, I see it, and he throws the wheat up in the air so that the wind would separate it from the chaff, the wheat and the chaff. Here he is in that position, and I just want to take you to a place of Scripture that is ominous. How would you young guys like to be out just uh, somewhere trying to get a last meal for the family and suddenly listen to this? Verse 12 of Judges 6. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I just find the word of God so delightful. It's amazing to me when you read it how how God in his spirit pictures things to us. First of all, if you're a young man and an angel appears to you, well, even if you're an older person, an angel appearing might be an unusual thing to happen to you. But all of a sudden, can you imagine, here's this angel and he speaks and he calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. Uh, so, So just let's go on and watch this tremendous story. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then is all this happening to us? I think that question is being asked all over this planet, especially to those in the household of God. Lord, if you're for us, why is this happening to us? And where are all the miracles that our fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, their bondage and their history? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall have Israel. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I want to stop and say to everyone in this service and everyone on Facebook today, I want to say that God, when he said those words, have I not sent you, that means there's a future and God has you in it and God's going to help you. We need no more faith than that. Aren't you glad God knows how to speak? So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. I think those, that scene is a, is a beautiful scene to, to try to, to break down and understand. On the surface, Gideon was just like all of us. He was, uh, felt like he was very inadequate. 
And all exterior signs about this young man were pointed to the opposite of what God called him. His faith was anything but robust. His courage was very minimal. He's hiding. His credentials, as far as his family was concerned, were, from what we know in the Bible, non-existent. His family was able to save a little wheat. As I said, here he is hiding, threshing it, trying to get enough to eat. And then an angel appears. But I want you to notice again the greeting that the angel gave to Gideon. It was not on a basis of what he was. It was not on a basis of the situation. It was not determined by the circumstance. God called this young man a mighty man of valor. I will give us, a, I think, a very solid interpretation of that. God is saying, Gideon, I will make you. Gideon, I will add to you. Gideon, I will build you. When, when this is over, you're not going to imagine how your life is going to change. I want to say to our singers and musicians, if we're faithful to the Lord and God has a, has a future for us, God will build us because there is a future. Amen. Well, but Gideon, to him it seemed totally wrong. Mighty man of valor. I think he, if in my vernacular, I'd say, are you kidding me? You don't, do you know who, who I really am or what I'm really not? Might be more of a, of a direction. He was timid. We know he was inexperienced. Here he is hiding, working for his father, and the family wasn't even in good standing with the Lord. Gideon's dad was a priest in a pagan shrine. But I want to declare to us today, God is a God of all possibilities. He's a God of ingenuity, and God is a God of sublime resourcefulness, and He's always the God of the future. In the 14th verse, Gideon, God said to him, you go in this power, and that is the power that I have sent you. I want to tell you, when God sends you, you don't have to worry. And in the midst of this tragedy we have today, because we're called of God, we who are twice born, I want to tell you, we don't have to worry. God, uh, most of us can, uh, I mean Gideon, most of us can relate to Gideon. A lack of resources, a lack of courage, always mindful of circumstances. And Gideon's mind uh, did exactly what ours does. It quickly turned to the negative and it quickly questioned God. Verse 13, he said, Lord, if you are with us, why are you letting all this happen? And verse 14, why don't you give us a sign? Well, I won't take time to read it, but as time went on, Gideon did take command of Israel's army. As a matter of fact, in chapter 7, if you want to read later on, let me tell you the story says that Gideon was over an army of 32,000 Israeli soldiers. But God, God had a different plan in mind. God is always dumbfounding human wisdom. God's always, God's always saying, I'm going to do this, and we question why, because I think we limit God. And, and let me just go to the bottom line. You want to read it later. You'll read through several chapters. God said, I want you to diminish this army from 32,000. He finally got Gideon's army down to only 300. Those are not very good odds. But... But we would ask the question, why, like Gideon did. I want to read verse 2 of chapter 7. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. 
There's something I want to say today about the situation we're in. I think God expects us to do what we can. I thank God for the, the medical people, not only in our country, but all across this world. I thank God for the scientists. They are blessings and gifts to us. I thank God for our leaders who are guiding us, not only in our country, but across this world. And I think we should obey proper authorities. That's why we're having a service like this. I believe we are admonished in the Word of God to obey the authorities. It's important for us today, though, to understand we do what we can do. And then God does the supernatural. He took this army from 32,000 to 300. It's an amazing thing. The day of the battle arrived. If you'll read further on, let me just tell you what happens. 300 armed with trumpets, clay lamps, and pictures. And at Gideon's signal, they marched toward the Midianite army. They blew the trumpets, broke the lamps, and it's an amazing thing that happened. Verse 21 tells us from chapter 7. Let me read it to us. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran out and cried and fled. When the 300, that's Gideon's army, blew the trumpet, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled. Basically, Gideon obeyed what God said do, his soldiers obeyed what God said do, and God defeated that enemy. It was very important. And those are important words for us. What was, what was, looked like a great victory for Gideon. I just want to declare to you, actually Gideon and 300 men did not defeat that enemy. God defeated that enemy. God, God totally destroyed the enemy, turned them one upon themselves. But what was required of Gideon? He was to obey and be a man of faith. Do what God had said and then faith it. I want to tell you, all God asks us to do is to obey what He says and faith our future. Mom and Dad, ladies and gentlemen, all the people of God to whom I speak, we are faith people. Don't forget, we're not just believing people, we're faith people. And in the natural, our world, and our, the natural man says seeing is believing. And yes, in the natural world, facts are stubborn things and they're important. But twice born men and women, and you know what I mean. I'm not talking about religious people. I'm not talking about ritual. I'm not talking about format. I'm talking about men and women and young people such as here at Christ's Legacy that are genuinely born again. We go not by seeing is believing. Our philosophy and our belief is believing is seeing. Because God gives us... When we come to Him, a supernatural set of eyes, if you will, we see through faith. And faith sees the sovereign God. And we know that the sovereign God is in charge of it all. At first Gideon, here's my little three-point message. At first Gideon walked by fear. He saw all the dangers just like we do. He saw all the turmoil just like we do. He saw everyone trying to survive, everyone scrambling to try to be what they needed to be with all the question for the future, just as we are today. He walked by that fear. God moved him on and he walked by what we call a fleece. If you want to read a great story, read about Gideon's fleece. I think that's strictly for young Christians. He said, God, show me a sign. And 
He said, Lord, he put a little fleece on the ground. He said, Lord, tonight let it rain only on that fleece, but nowhere on the ground. When he got up the next morning, the scripture says he wrung the water out of it, but there wasn't anything on the ground. And then he said, God, I don't want to aggravate you, but reverse it tonight, if you will, and put water on the ground and nothing on the fleece. The next morning, the whole ground was wet and the fleece was dry. I think God moves faith way beyond that, but aren't you glad God knows how to be a father of a babe? And then he moved from, from fear to fleece, then he walked by faith. He did take charge of that army. He did what God said do. We who know God, we have a relationship with God. Here's our job today. Let's stay in the Word. Let's stay on our knees. Let's trust God and watch Him move on the behalf of a world that needs Him. And because our faith is not shaken, because we know whom we believe in, we are not fearful. I will tell you, I have a lot of friends in many different uh, walks of life and many occupations, and I hear reports, Pastor, people are upset, they're just, they're afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, the true believer is not afraid. We are steadfast, we are sure, and can I say we just want to use good sense today. Just settle down. There's no emergency in heaven. God's not intimidated by any of this. God will take what Satan means for evil according to his word and turn it for good. Our place is that we just believe. In my household, you know what we are? We're going on just like normal. Yes, we're social distancing. Is that's a new word that we have? I've never heard of that before, but I guess it's been around. I don't know. <laughs> Supposed to be six feet. Maybe we should measure some. I don't know. I, I just I do know this. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's not shook up, and neither am I. You know what? The news keeps getting worse. Oh, yes. Our world is so tied to the stock market, and it has its place. I understand. But, ladies and gentlemen, when you anchor in the eternal, when you anchor in the sovereign, he can call you a mighty man of valor when you feel anything but that. And so I call you today to trust in God. If you're a twice-born believer, let's just let's keep our hands in the nail-scarred hand. It'll be fine. So I want to look to you who are perhaps on Facebook and you don't know the Lord. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about you confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. It can change your life. And I think that our God is taking this situation that I believe Satan brings. I think sin and sickness and disease come from Satan. I know it did. That's what the Scripture says. But here in this onslaught against the world, I think God offers us an opportunity to come to Him and know Him. Maybe realize that men, though we have great powerful leaders, ladies and gentlemen, men are not our answer. The White House is not our answer. No other leadership across the world is our answer. The God who made this creation is the answer. And if you don't know Him, I want to ask you to consider giving your heart to Him today. This is the time where we reach out and say, if you want something that's genuinely secure, something that's absolutely safe, something you can believe in, our God is that God. If you'd like to know Him, you say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. You want to give your heart to the Lord right where you are in your home or hospital, wherever you happen to be. Maybe you're at work. Just pray this prayer with me and pray it in sincerity. Lord, 
I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He came and died for my sins. I believe that He presented His blood to the Father. And the sin debt that I couldn't pay, He paid for me. And I ask that Christ to come into my life. I ask that Savior to wash me and cleanse me by His blood. And Father, I come as a child knowing that I need You. And I want to confess You as my Savior and as my Lord. So God, here I am. I give You my heart. I give You my life. I give You everything about my future. And I ask You for that forgiveness. And I'm to accept it by faith. And so by faith, I thank You today that You've heard my prayer. I call it done in Jesus' name. Amen.